So uh, Liz Wilder, welcome to the journey. And, Thanks, uh, this is kind of cool. Yeah, so I, you know, we've been doing the journey now for a little over two years and, okay. and a little over 100 episodes of having people on and, and just having conversations about their life experiences. And for some, it's been stories of where they may have had some setbacks in life, either because of something that has happened in their own life or maybe a family member's or significant other's life. And what did they what did they learn as they had that setback? And then how have they been given back to other people since then? It could be mm. it could be addiction, it could be mental health issues, it could be a change in job. A couple of weeks ago we had Laura on and she was born in Mexico City. And and what was the experience of 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 coming here from another country and not knowing not knowing English. I mean, oh, so wow. so there's been a lot of different um, stories over time. And um and uh, and unfortunately, we've had a couple individuals who 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 came on the show and we taped them, and then either uh, you know months later, um, one uh, Ryan died tragically in a car accident, oh, no. and and then another one we which we knew she had stage four cancer when she came on, and and part of the intent of the story uh, of doing the episode was so that her family would have another memento of of of, of her. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and of course that was not the case. Um, Ryan was young when he died and, and our intent there was just to do a story of him being clean and sober after being addicted to drugs and alcohol. Wow. And, um, but for his mom and his, and his daughters, it was, uh, it, I'm, I'm glad we were able to do the story. Wow. That's so, so cool. This is neat. Well, well, what a, what a great deal. Awesome. Well, well, thank you. And thank you for being on. And I know we're going to get into a little bit of your your story and who you are, um, but we're also going to have a particular uh, topic we're going to go after today. So, so uh, Liz, just as we get started, one of the questions I always ask um, the guests that come on, what does Liz do for fun when she's oh. for fun? Boy, oh boy. That's a good question because a lot of the stuff that I do for work is fun. Mm-hmm. You know, radio is my background and I love it. So if the shoe was on the other foot, I'd be interviewing you and I'd be like, okay, this is more fun than it is work. But I do like to read. Um, I used to be in the scrapbooking stuff, you know, doing that all the time. Mm -hmm. I have animals at the house. So I'm a big animal person and I love gardening. Um, Just a little bit of everything, but I really like being around my people, my friends, cooking. I like cooking, baking. And when you say you have animals around the house, uh, what, what do you what do you mean, like cows and horses? And oh goats? gosh, no, yeah, no, that's my family, and I have yeah, okay. my family, my mom's side family farm business is the cows and okay. and the sheep and the pigs and all that stuff. But no, okay, so I had I say had because Larry Bird passed uh, about four years ago now. Um, I had a blue front Amazon parrot that I had gotten in my travels and my years of radio. And I, we have cats and a German Shepherd dog. Oh, so nice. German Shepherds seem to be where we stick. When I okay. met Brian, my husband, Brian, I've been married uh, 20 years this year. Oh, congratulations. Never thought I'd be doing that. Yeah, <laughs> never. And, and my husband had been married once before. And he says he, you know, he told all of his buddies he'd never get married again. Well, guess what? You know, yeah. you <laughs> But he had a German Shepherd when I met him, and we decided we would breed her. And I had never uh, birthed puppies before. I never saw a, a animal birth at all. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of a new experience for me, and it was amazing. So we had nine puppies, eight living. So eight little German Shepherd puppies running around for like six to eight weeks. Oh, it was phenomenal. It was so much fun. But we've always had dogs with us now. Uh, we now have Katie Joe, who is a German Shepherd Husky mix. We got her from Noah's Ark. Uh, let's see, this is December. So we got her 14 months ago. Okay. Okay. Yeah, she's, she's turned into being a wonderful dog. So she's with Brian right now at his office. We oh. have a vest for her and she knows when she puts the vest on, she's going to work. Oh, okay. Kind of fun. It- it is one of the things that um, my my son just recently graduated with his master's in social work, and and they rescued um, a golden a golden poodle, and um, golden right. doodle. Golden, golden doodle, doodle, yes, golden doodle, and um, and so there, there he he would like to go through the process mm-hmm. of uh, having her be a therapy dog. Oh, and, it's um, it's wonderful. It's a very intensive process, but it's a wonderful process. Yeah, yeah, I, and I think it would be. 
especially because he's going to be primarily working with youth and young adults. Um, I think it'll be a, it will be a good, it'll be a good, uh, a good fit. And she's a good dog. I mean, she, she's, you know, young, she's a puppy, you know, yeah, eight, well, eight, energy. Eight, nine months. Energy. Yes. A lot of energy. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, so, well, Liz, you said you've been in radio your whole life. How, how did, well, where, well, first I should ask where, when you grew up um, high school wise, where'd you go to high school? Where'd you live growing up? You know, isn't that funny? When I first moved to Rockford and I, this is my second time in Rockford. Um, when I first moved to Rockford, people would always ask me, where'd you go to high school? Mm-hmm. And I thought, why are you asking me about high school? I grew up in a town, Hannibal, Missouri, where we had one high school. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Rockford, there's how many? Seven oh, yeah. or eight of them? I don't know, it seems like a million, it seems. But we had one high school. So I'd just say Hannibal. People never knew. So Hannibal, Missouri is where I grew up. Um, I am the oldest of five. So I have one brother and three sisters, and um, I was actually born in Chicago, and we moved around because my, my dad was a hospital administrator. My mom was a nurse, and my mom is actually from this area. My dad is from Massachusetts, and they met when my dad was in the service in uh, Texas. I believe the story goes it was my mom's nursing school roommate and dad's roommate who were actually dating. And mom and dad met through them. Okay. Gotcha. I, of course, you know, that's all. Yeah. Before me. So. Sure, sure. sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, and then as the stories carry on, you, do, you know, it's like any kind of story. Sometimes there's added things and maybe deleted mm-hmm. things. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yep, yep. But nonetheless, they become the stories. So. So. OK. Exactly. And, and, and then when, so radio and communication, so, tell, yeah, okay, how did that so all come Hannibal, Okay, in Hannibal, like I said, one high school, but we had a radio station, KGRC, which was a 100,000 watt radio station. Now, at that point in time, I had no idea what that meant. Mm-hmm. All I knew is that it was a big deal and it played all the music that we all like to grow up with and yeah. sing and all that stuff. It reached about four or five states because 100,000 watts is huge. Oh, shoot, I should have shut that off, darn it. Sorry. I didn't think about shutting my phone off beforehand. Sorry. That's okay. Um, so anyway, in, in high school, I took a class, a communications class, and one of the day was called a mass media day. So we all got to go to a television station because we had a local TV station, the radio station and the newspaper, and you could choose what you wanted, or you could visit all three of them for little bits of time. And I thought, you know what? I am not interested in the newspaper. I really could care less about that. TV, okay, that's okay. So I went to go sign up, but there were no slots left. So then I went to radio and I thought, okay, fine, I'll just do the radio. That's cool. It's down the street from me a little bit anyway. So on that day, I was there for one hour and you are with the DJ and you're kind of, you know, shadowing them in the inside the booth and everything. And I got to do the weather. It was really fun. And, mm-hmm. you know, telling everybody about it. Of course, everybody's listening anyway, because it's all the high school kids all day long on the radio. Sure. I liked it so much. I was taking all the other spots that were open mm-hmm. and thought, okay, I like this. This is, this is kind of fun. This is kind of fun. But then it went out of my brain. School goes on and I'm interested in other p- things. I was a pageant girl. So I was in the Miss Hannibal pageant and happened to win, went on to the Miss Missouri pageant. Actually, I've gone there a couple of times, Um, but I was interested in dance. Dance was my passion at that time, too. And I played the piano. So those were my talents. And I really wanted to go into dance and performing arts, thinking, oh, I really like that. But then, like I said, mass media came up and I kind of got the bug there a little bit, but forgot about it college time ready to go to school and I was going to go to Columbia College in Missouri majoring in dance and performing arts I had a scholarship everything ready to go however it was probably I don't remember it was like three months or something like that beforehand not very long before school started when we got this letter saying that some of the teachers were going to be let go or classes not offered anymore because of budget cuts and I thought oh great what am I going to do and my dad says, sorry, you're not going there. We're going to find someplace else. And of course, I'm freaking out. I'm a senior with no place to go for, you know, college. And right. in our family, it's just a given. You just go to school. You know, you go to college. So I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Well, at that point in time, we, the pageant girls, 
were taping a show on the local radio station or local television station. And my mom came with me. Well, the person that was in front of us taping his show, I'll never forget his name, Terry Taylor, who is director of admissions at Northeast Missouri State University, which is now Truman University in Kirksville. My mom was talking to him while I was on being interviewed on the TV and basically got me enrolled. Now, I was like embarrassed as all get out. I can't believe you're talking to me about this, mom, blah, 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 you know, whatever. But it was a lot of fun. But when I went there, I was also working in the admissions office. So I got to work with Terry and with some other people, too, that I still keep in contact today. But when I found when I went there, I found out they did not have a dance program. So I'm like, what am I going to major in? You know, what am I going to do? Music? Okay, fine. I'll just do music, whatever. So music was what I was thinking about. I also play the clarinet and I had picked up the saxophone and was starting to learn that too. So I was just going to major in piano, do piano. Um, about my second year in, I'm taking the theory and it's all, it's all fun and games and I'm still in marching band and I'm, you know, using all my musical talents, but I'm not liking it. So I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. I am in a sorority at that time, um, Alpha Sigma Alpha Sorority, and we had an advisor whose name was Al Edivine, another name that is stuck in my head forever. He came into our chapter room and said, I need some bodies. Who's got an open period and whatever? And I'm like, sure, what do you want me to do? He goes, I just need for you to sit at a desk while we teach everybody how to use the cameras. And I'm like, oh, okay. I can do that. That's easy. You can bring your homework. You can do whatever you want to. Okay, cool. So there were two of us that were doing it. And I'm sitting at this big studio desk, you know, it's pretend studio desk reading, but I'm also watching him and I'm listening and going, this is kind of cool. I kind of like this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was that media stuff. So I got the bug again and decided to change my major and went for a mass communications major with an emphasis in broadcasting and public relations. So I did that and found out that radio was more my talent than TV. I don't want to put the makeup on all day, every day. I want to just be able to wake up and go and use my voice like God has given to me. It's a little raspy today because mm -hmm. we've had Christmas and, you know, you get loud and crazy with your family. And yeah. so it's a little raspy, but that's where it was. So that summer, I'm trying to think of what summer it was, like 80. So it must have been 83 must have been around 83 or so um, because I was in Miss Missouri pageant at the same time, but I, I knew I was going to go into college, you know, go my next year, also still at college. But I needed to find a job, make some more money, you know, pay for the college. So I went to the radio station. I had answered an ad in the local newspaper and come to find out what they were looking for was a salesperson. Well, I didn't realize I figured I could sell for three months before I go back to school. I didn't realize Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I didn't know then, you know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, actually the guy who was speaking with me said, I think you'd be better off working our automation system on the weekend. We could pay you on the weekend. I thought, oh, that would be good. Cause then I could go to school, come back. It's only a, you know, an, an hour and a half drive from school to home. So I was able to work during the school year at the radio station too. So I worked weekends. I was, um, on every hour on the half hour doing the weather and that was it you know so I call my mom mom I'm gonna be on I'm gonna be on you know <laughs> hurry up and listen I'm gonna be on and it was no more than maybe 30 seconds max you know but I was on the radio so after college grad I graduated college and and went to the station and they had a full-time position available for me so I just stayed there and worked there it was an overnight position but I also wrote copy and KGRC was my big spot from there, I moved, um, I was recruited, I guess, to go across the river to Quincy, Illinois. And it's not very far away. That yeah. was another stomping ground. And we started a radio station there. Um, gosh, I think for the life of me, I can't remember what it is right now. But anyway, there were four other gentlemen and myself who were starting this radio station and loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was the one of the heydays. And those boys are all my my brothers, my boys, you know, mm -hmm. they're all my boys. And one of them, unfortunately, passed away a year ago. Um, Chocolate Thunder, Reggie Coleman, deep godlike voice, you know, yeah. <laughs> I just love it. But I see the other guys when I go back home, too. Sure. Well, from Quincy, I, my goal at that time was to be the top 
radio, female radio DJ or a top female DJ in one of the three markets, the big markets, which would be New York, LA or Chicago. And I thought, okay, you know, I got to work my way up in order to work my way up. You have to move. That's just the way it is in the, in the media business. You know, you just like a newspaper or, or TV, you see somebody you like, and then they're gone. Where'd they go? Because they had to go to a bigger market in order to move up in their career. That's what I did. So I left the Hannibal Quincy area and went down to Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis is where I consider my turning point in my life because um, it was where I had to actually depend on me and be me. I couldn't just be Liz Lukowski, hometown girl. So I had to, I had to actually have a different name. Um, and I chose Liz Michaels because all the guys I were dating at the time were named Michaels. And I figured what the heck, it's easy. And the first church I saw when I crossed the river was St. Michael's Cathedral. So I thought, okay, got it, God. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so worked there at a rock and roll station overnight, loved it, but ended up getting a stalker. This was a hard time. Um, I met a lot of wonderful people, had some very good experiences and some very bad experiences. One of the people that I met, his name was Joe Walsh. And yes, he is from the Eagles, Joe Walsh. Um, he is, he, he basically took me under his wing, if you will, when I had that stalker situation, um, I could not go home, could not go to my apartment where I had um, an unlisted phone number. I did not use my real name on the radio, so didn't have any of that. They didn't know who I was, but the stalker found out where I lived, what time I would go to work, what time I'd come home. He knew my apartment. He tried to get in by being a delivery person. And obviously you, it was a gated place, so they couldn't come in. But that was scary for me. I couldn't go back and feed my two cats because I had two cats at the time. Um, I stayed with Joe and lived at his house for probably six to eight months. But during that time, I learned how to shoot a handgun. I learned what was going on. I was a little more aware of my surroundings where I was not so aware before. I was a very naive girl in my hometown area. No big deal. But now I'm in this big city of Memphis and I have to be I have to grow up fast. Well, I did. Um, come to find out that that stalker turned out to be a transient who had a rap sheet like this long. And it was just a good thing that I had somebody else watching out for me. So, so how did, uh, how did you connect with, uh, with Joe? Walsh? Yeah. How that all okay, So it was like the first two or three days actually that I was there at this radio station. God works in mysterious ways. I'm telling you, when I first went down to Memphis, they had had uh, lots of rain and stuff too. When I moved down there, they had flooding. But when I actually was taking all my stuff down, the next week they had snow. First time snow in a long time. Of course, it was nothing. It was a little itty bitty. We're used to feet just a little bit and they close everything down. Well, while I was going down there, my the U-Haul that I had broke and I had to put my stuff in a storage unit so I didn't wasn't able to go get that so I only had little bits and pieces of furniture and boxes in my apartment I say that because it's part of the story the third or fourth day that I was there our morning guy always has Joe and another guest come in his morning show and do the morning with him well I again naive girl didn't know who this person was had no idea who who Joe is but when I went to to let the people up on the elevator because it was a security elevator. It was Joe Walsh and Jim Varney. You know, you know what I mean, Vern? You know what I mean? Yep, well, yep, I knew yep. who Jim Varney was. I don't <laughs> know who this guy Joe was, but I'm like all a gaga over Jim Varney. And then there were some other local musicians too. They were all in the studio and I'm sitting here like this because my shift is over. I had the overnight shift. It's seven o'clock in the morning and I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. You know, I'm all a gaga over Jim, not Joe. <laughs> so then the next week, because they came every week, I was doing some recording and, and doing my commercial work after my shift. And the studio door opens up, which is no big deal because I had my headphones on and I'm editing. I could kind of hear somebody there, but normally people come in and grab a, a disc or, you know, records or whatever was in the other room. I feel a tap on my shoulder. I turn around to look. Nobody's there. I look this way and it's Joe. He puts a rose down. He gives me a peck on the cheek. And he says, Lizzie, are you going to be here this this morning? And I'm like, yeah, I'll be there. I'm going to finish my work, but 
I'll go in. So I went in and watched them with this doing their show and was there pretty much every week. But a couple of weeks go by and he's like, you want to go for a drink? And I'm like, sure. So my seven o'clock in the morning is five o'clock at night for most people. Okay. So I'm, I'm going across the street to the Peabody Hotels bar where I'm drinking um, Bloody Marys or sure. you know, whatever at seven or eight o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Again, my five or six o'clock at night. Sure, yeah. so then it's like, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get tired. I need to go home because I got to go to bed. And and I said, I just I have to go. And he's like, well, I'll drive you. I'll follow you. I'm like, OK, because I still get confused with where I'm going. And, and he didn't he knew I'd been drinking, so he didn't want me to go off on my own so he followed me home he came to my apartment and here's joe walsh now that i think about it it's like oh wow you know crazy but he's helping me put pictures on my wall undo boxes you know cleaning my apartment and i'm like oh well, gee thanks joe okay but i gotta sleep now because i gotta work again tonight and i'm tired yeah but that just started a friendship sure. and when i talk about my bird larry bird it was a blue friend amazon parrot joe had a parrot with another um, relationship that ended and, and the girl got the parrot. Well, he was on tour and um, he ended up going through St. Louis Union Station and found this little bird, Larry Bird, and sure, took sure. it home. Well, little Larry Bird kind of clung to Liz and he ended up becoming my bird. So when Joe went back to California and I was finishing up the radio station stuff and going to be ready to move to Rockford, he said, Lizzie, why don't you take Larry? Mm. Okay. I don't know anything about birds. You know, what am I going to do? So I had 30 years with my bird. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So and, that's, and, cool. and that's pretty typical, right? For, bir- for those Actually, birds. birds 40 to 60 but because the lifespan is getting shorter because of the foods that they're being given Mm. with you got the chemical dyes that are put into it i didn't know that until much later my veterinarian was saying yeah we're kind of worried about all of this stuff happening now so it was very interesting but normally i would have had him a little longer but he's been with me you know he, he knew everything he was a talker yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. I remember growing up and my, my mom's mom always had birds, but mm-hmm. these were, I, I don't remember what, you know, the, I don't remember, I don't know the different types of birds, but the one was a parrot and the other one were like smaller birds. And that parrot was mean. Oh. <laughs> it was the green, you know, green, uh, all green, all green. And it, it, made a mess all the time and it shattered and it was we, we knew as kids because uh, i was the oldest grandchild around and uh-huh. i was always at their it seemed like i was always at their house right uh-huh. and um but that you you couldn't put your fingers near the cage where oh. he and uh and so but over time he as i got older he would he was uh he, and maybe as he got older he became more uh uh, mild, you know what I mean? And right, right, right. wasn't as aggressive, yeah, but, uh, but I just remember that the, all my uncle would, it would drive my uncle crazy. Cause he would not, he would, he would just be squawking, never talking, just making noise. <laughs> so. Well, he, my bird, Larry used to squawk a lot, but again, we had him, I had him from six months old. So I knew when he was a teenager, he got a little aggressive. I have a little scar here on my nose from him because he bit me mm. and I'm like, Larry, you know, whatever, but, but he was my bird. Sure. Um, I taught him a lot of different things. He sings, sung the alphabet, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, up to G, and then he'd start over again. Sure. He'd say, you know, hi, Larry. Hi, how you doing? Cause Joe would always say, how you doing? How you doing? Sure. So he'd say is how you doing? Um, what's, what's happening to blow me a kiss. You know, he'd kind of sometimes want to go to bed. Are you hungry? He'd get some things mixed up and say, you want to go to bed? Blow me. Are you hungry? <laughs> like, okay, that's enough. That's yeah. enough. You know, but he, he would get all squawky and crazy. And I had him when I met Brian and he took to Brian like crazy. He would squawk and squawk and squawk when Brian was coming home until Brian said, hi, Larry. And then he'd be quiet, wow. but he'd be up here on my shoulder and he's probably about, he would be about this big. Like I said, I, I no longer have him, but he'd be about that big and, and give you little kisses. He'd give you kisses. He, you know, he'd whistle. Mm. He was a very talkative bird, but they say that they have the intellect of about a three or four year old. Oh, okay. So the, the vocabulary can be there too. 
sure sure interesting very interesting mm -hmm. it's fun it's fun so uh so let me and so then you ended up in rockford so yeah i'm and, sorry so yeah long story longer <laughs> good thing this is a long time yeah um from memphis i was looking okay so the radio station that was at was a rock station and it was bought out by a top 40 station i was one of two people that were kept on everybody else was given their pink slip so i did um overnights again and worked with rumble and thrower who were the morning team and i decided you know what i really i got to get out of nights i don't like this I'm, I'm ready to go elsewhere so i was putting my resumes out and there's a gal by the name of kathy hart if you're from rockford i think you might remember her yeah, yeah i remember okay kathy hart's uh program director was asking her is there another kathy hart anywhere that you know whatever and she says well I don't really know. You know, I'll figure that out. Somebody said, check this resume out. Check this one out. So I actually got the job from my resume, taking over Kathy Hart's spot. Kathy Hart, I follow her. It feels like I follow her. Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't use the name Liz Michaels at the time because I was, there was, I guess, a JJ Michaels in the media, the Rockford media. So I had to change my name at that time. My mom and my dad had gotten a divorce. Okay, long, I, there's other extenuating circumstances in this journey. So I used my dad's new wife's maiden name, which was Wild, W-Y-L-D. But Liz Wild, I'm, it needed something. So mm -hmm. I put the E-R onto it. So Liz Wilder, and that yeah. became my air name, Liz Wilder. So I was here for, uh, from May of 89 until October of 91. Um, yeah, October of 91. And then from, from here, I went up to Buffalo, New York. And that's when Kathy's program director said, Hey, I need another Liz, or I need another Kathy who. So then I went up to WKSC in Buffalo, New York, and worked up there. Find out in the meantime, Kathy has now come to Chicago. Well, after my contract was up for a year, um, the gal who I was replacing, oh, and by the way, I had to go back to Liz Michaels, because there was a Kim Wilde in the market. So depending upon what you call me, then I know where I know you from. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, anyway, so I came back to rock. Okay. So I was, I was in Buffalo for one year at KSE. I went right across the parking lot to WBUF and got the morning show with my friend, John Summer up there and stayed there for, um, it was about nine months. And then that station was bought and sold. So during that time, I thought, ah, oh, this is crazy. You know, what, what am I going to do? Well, I worked three jobs just to pay my rent. And it was working in a shoe shop, a shoe fact, you know, a shoe store, um, working at a novelty store. I was doing voiceover work. And that was where I actually started my voiceover career, too, was in Buffalo. But I decided I really need to know the ins and the outs of the voiceover business. I know what to do. I know how to edit, but I don't know how to sell myself. I don't know how to sell stuff. So I need to, I need to move. I need to get out of here. Buffalo didn't have anything other than the work with me. Um, I had one college girlfriend and that was it. But my hometown area was back in Rockford. My family is from the Byron, Oregon area, my mom's side of the family. So I knew I had cousins and I had family in Rockford. Um, my name would still open doors. Liz Wilder, people still knew who that was. And I was familiar with the area. So why not come back? So when I came back, I called my friend Steve Summers up again. Um, Steve is actually the one that hired me the first time. And I said, okay, I'm coming back into town. What do you got? Got anything available? He's like, no, but I got some sales. So I thought, okay, fine. I need to learn sales anyway. I, my plan was to be in the sales end of it for minimum two years before I start my own studio and keep going. Well, it didn't turn out that way. God had other plans. I lasted about a year and a half before I went on the air again at W, um, I, I want to say BUF, but it's, I don't know what it is right now. Light 103 or B103 or oh, I don't, sure. yeah. they've changed. It, yeah. Everything's changed. Yeah. So I worked with Jim Mackey at the time there. So I was basically on the air when I got back, mm, got back about a year and a half. So I went back on the air about 96, 97. And was there until I got married with Brian. Um, and it was wonderful. I mean, I was doing morning show or I did midday or whatever, but it was my niche. And that's, that's where I really enjoyed being on the radio. When I met Brian, um, 
he was going through a divorce and I said, I'm not going out on a date with you until your divorce is final. I just don't do that. So when it did become final, we ended up going on a date. And um, that's another story in itself. That's kind of fun. Another time, Kevin. Okay. <laughs> um, but I was on the air and the radio station was bought by, I think it's Maverick Media that owns it now. I don't know who owns it now, but um, they were on, I guess they bought it in June. Let me think about this. No, May. And I was getting married September 22nd of that year. Um, of 2000 trying to think of how this goes it's been so long ago Um, basically what happened was that the people that had them before had been trying to hire me to work for them at that radio at their radio station for a number of years and and for various circumstances I had to turn them down so the joke was they had to buy the radio station that I was already at so that I could work for them sure sure then it turned out that I was only going to work for them for two months because I told them, I said, well, here's the deal. You know, I've got this day off already. It's my wedding and I'm planning on taking two weeks. Well, Liz, that's right during the Arbitron ratings. Well, Arbitron ratings are a big thing. You don't take vacations. You don't do anything for three months because that's that shows you your ranking. And that also is the ability to... Um, raise or lower your prices for your sales team too. Sure. So it's a big thing and it happens twice a year, spring and fall for our market, Rockford market, um, TV and radio do them a little bit differently, but for radio at that time, back in 2000, it was starting like September 20th or 15th or something like that. They weren't going to give me my wedding day off. Oh. And I thought, Mm-mm, that's not happening. Uh-uh. I'm fighting for that day. He said, well, you can have, you know, like the weekend, the week off your, but I was getting married on a Friday and they wouldn't let me take that Friday off. I'm like, Mm-mm, not happening. So my husband says, well, just quit. Ugh. What do you mean? Just quit. I've never just quit a job without having a backup. Are you kidding? What are I going to do? Well, that was when my studio here was being, oops, sorry, being built. And we were, I was getting it more and more on the road and ready to go. And I thought, okay, fine, I'm going to do it. And he's like, honey, we can handle this. You can do it. So I quit in August of 2000. So I only worked for them for two months and then got married in September, did the honeymoon stuff, you know, and really got played in my studio here and decided I really want to get back on the radio. I really, I miss the radio. I miss talking to people, telling and sharing with things that are going on in the world. You know, this has been a crazy year, 2020. I would have loved to have been on the radio to share, but I'm sharing in a different way now. Anyway, um, I ended up going to Chicago, worked at the light for Chicago. Kathy Hart was in Chicago. <laughs> so who am I following? Yeah, I yeah. was um, full-time middays for about three months while one of the gals was on maternity leave. And then I didn't want to keep driving back and forth and back and forth and said to Brian, I'm not going to do this full-time. I'm going to come back and really work on my studio. And then told the radio station, I'm just going to do weekends. So I probably did that for about two years and then thought that's enough. Yeah. That's enough. So came back here and pretty much did my own gig for a long time. I was um, contacted by some other radio stations to do voice tracking. So while I was here in Rockford, I had my voice in other areas and other cities and then just, you know, doing my own thing now. So, so then as you started really taking the Liz brand, right? Because the last Mm -hmm. name might have to change, right? The, right, right. The, so really, as it as it shifted from being specifically attached to a particular radio station, it then kind of started evolving into yes. um, Liz Wilder brand for Liz Wilder, mm-hmm. and and then you may obviously do work for other stations, but it wouldn't be exclusively for them as an employee. Correct. Is I'm that an what independent. I'm, I'm an independent contractor. Okay. So. Liz Wilder and and my company it's Wow Broadcasting which stands for Words of Wilder. Okay, nice. So, wow, you know. Yeah. Um, and I don't have my little. I usually have a flag thing on here, but yeah, so I can go anywhere. You may hear your my voice in grocery stores or on a phone or on a, a 
website somewhere. I mean, sometimes when I do the spots and I do things, I have no idea where they end up. Mm-hmm. I actually was in Meyer a couple of years ago and getting cat food. Mm-hmm. And I happened to hear myself on the speaker and I went, oh, that's me to <laughs> nobody in particular. But I'm like, oh, it still surprised me to sure. hear myself. Yeah. I've had friends in Massachusetts be at CVS Pharmacy and they're like, Liz, did you ever do a spot for such and such? And I'm like, I have no idea. I probably yeah. did. You know, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. So, yeah, I did. Nice. Okay. Well, good. And that's been essentially 20 years mm. often. Well, you know, let's take it back further then um, because radio 83 since 83. Yeah. No, no, with the studio. Oh, the studio. Yeah. yeah. Full time, full time with my studio since 2000. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, yeah. great. Well, and it, and it is, it is amazing. I, I know that for me with, without a doubt, I would not be able to have uh, done what I did with KP counseling uh, or shatter our silence or any of the stuff. If my wife, Diane, wasn't the way she is. Like, Isn't that you know, crazy? I mean, just not only from, from a standpoint of not only the support, but then being okay with me, you know, you know, 14 hour days or whatever it may be. And, and, and obviously it was more when I first started those companies, Mm -hmm. but, um, but she's always been supportive, got it and, and was able to also take care of some of the other things so that I didn't have to, you know what I mean? So that, and, and not, and even though of course I could find my way, I could find a way to find guilty about stuff, but it wasn't because of anything that she said or did or anything like that. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, it, exactly. It is, you know, Napoleon Hill wrote, uh, wrote a book, uh, Think and Grow Rich. And yes. he wrote it at the, the beginning uh, of the early 1900s, right? And, um, and he talked about that behind, and, and at that time, all those, individuals that he was interviewing were all men and and he he talked about the integral part of those men being able to be successful had to do with who was behind the scenes Mm. their life partner um, behind the scenes and that was um you know talking about fdr and talking about uh, rockefeller and um, bell and different individuals like that all had carnegie all had uh partners who were who, who really were um, uh, not just vice president in name, but they actually were partners and they were in some ways the strength um, behind the face. Yep. I, and, I totally believe that. Yeah, I so, totally believe that. And, and, and I think then, you know, cause like Diane, probably very similar to in Brian's case, uh, Diane knew, Diane knew that I, I was ready to start KP a year, year and a half before I was ready to, to take that leap. And, and then it was just for her, it was just a matter of, okay, go, you know, mm-hmm. you just need to do this. Um, mm-hmm. There's a whole nother story behind it, but we'll get into that another yeah, time. But. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. So. And I got to tell you, my husband, Brian, and this is going to take me back to my, my uh, early years again, I would never have taken a second look to, at Brian if I hadn't had a previous experience with my family and my little brother. Mm. So I'm going to back you up to the eighties. Um, when I'm growing up, my parents had been married for 23 years. They got divorced. I took it very hard. Three big things happened in that time frame. So my parents divorce, my little sister, Jennifer, she's my middle child, my middle sister, um, was in college as a freshman and she got pregnant. So that January, she tells me that she's pregnant or January, February, something like that pregnant. And I'm doing my overnights at the radio station. So I, I remember driving to Kirksville, which is where she was going to school and bringing, bringing her fruit for some reason, Yeah, fruit. Why would I bring her fruit? Whatever. And having to be with her as she told my mom, called, called my dad and called my mom. So I'm calling my dad saying, hi, daddy, it's, it's Liz. Oh, what are you up to? I said, well, I'm here with Jennifer and she's something to tell you. Oh, what? She married? She's pregnant. And I'm like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> hang on a minute, dad. So there it is. So then, you know, she's telling and I'm being toilet paper brigade, bringing her Kleenex and Kleenex because she's crying. Then we call my mom and I'm like, mom. And at that point in time, my mom and I were not on very good terms because of the divorce. I kind of blamed her for some 
other incidents and things that happened, which now in my adult mind, I understand, but in my child mind, I didn't understand at all. Um, so I was like, mom, it's Liz. I'm here with Jennifer. She has something to tell you here. And so Jennifer says, mom, I'm pregnant. My mother hangs up on her. And of course, Jennifer's calling. She's bawling then. Mom calls back and I answer and she goes, put Jennifer on the phone. I thought, oh shit, you know, now we're in trouble. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. It's but okay. <laughs> it's like, um, oh gosh. So Jennifer's on the phone with mom and she talks it all through. Well, it all turns out fine. But my mom at that point in time kept thinking, great, I'm divorced. Now I have a daughter that's pregnant. You know, I have this big A on my forehead, a, you know, divorced adult. And she was just feeling horrible too so it all kind of came around in full circle so that was in february that year i was in the Miss missouri pageant again and we were going to do um, orientation is june 1st and then the pageant is july in mexico missouri june 1st the night before i get a phone call in the middle of the night elizabeth your brother's been in an accident you need to come to the house and i'm like what you know what are you talking about and then my first thought is do i bring my pageant stuff and the gal that was calling me was my mom's best friend's daughter, Cindy. And she says, Liz, just come to the house. So when I got to my family home, because I was living in an apartment, my she kind of filled me in on what was going on. My little brother had been in a horrible accident. He and his friend were going to a party. They hadn't reached it. But there's a very curvy road called River Road. And his car hit a culvert, was airborne, stopped hit a parked car and that parked car stopped his car. If it hadn't been there, he would have hit a huge um, gas tank, those big white gas tanks oh, and yeah. exploded. Yeah. Well, as it turned out, my brother, there was somebody following them, uh, uh, had just had a gal and her boyfriend had just finished coming off of work and she worked at the hospital. She saw this car parked and didn't think anything of it, went and changed and coming back. And as they were coming back, my brother's passenger was out in the road kind of stumbling he only had a lacerated spleen. Nothing else happened. My brother was stuck in the car with um, a head injury. It was a, a, oh, I forgot what they call it. Neither here nor there. He had no cuts, no bruises, no scratches, but he had some internal bleeding. He had a collapsed lung also. Oh, brainstem trauma. It was a brainstem trauma because oh. the brainstem was going, you know, got jerked oh. around. So with a collapsed lung, um, it took him, one hour for the people to stop and see see him so there's one hour it took the emergency people another hour to cut him out of the car they took him to saint elizabeth hospital and they had like three doctors and four nurses or something like that working on him then they airlifted him over to quincy illinois to the trauma center my brother was in a coma for two months june july so august three months basically and then was um when he came out, he was paralyzed on his left side, partially paralyzed on his right and could not speak. Mm. We didn't know until much later that he couldn't see either that he was seeing double vision because of the brainstem trauma. So my brother was in Columbia, Missouri, going to rehab for quite a while, you know, trying to, he was just going, we were just trying to find out everything we could do. And I was trying to do everything I possibly could. At that point in time, it's like, I don't remember a whole bunch, but I remember driving. My day was this. I would go to work at the radio station at five o'clock, do my commercial work, seven o'clock. I'm on the air. I'm off the air at midnight. I would drive three hours to Columbia, Missouri, sleep at my girlfriend's house, get up at eight o'clock, be there with my brother at nine to be for his workout stuff, leave at noon and be back at the radio station. That was my, I would do that three, three, four times a day or three, four times a week. And not really think about it because it was my brother. Mm -hmm. yeah. But as it turned out, it wasn't helping him. So he came back to Hannibal, Missouri and stayed at Beth Haven Nursing Home, which is, was two blocks away from where we lived. We, my brother, my sisters, and myself would all go and sing to the patients there. We'd yeah. walk up the three blocks over there. So we were very familiar with Pleasant View. They all knew him and people knew my brother too. So bottom line is my brother was in the, in a paraplegic basically from 20 years old. And he just passed away um, February 5th, 2018. <sighs> it's hard, but he was in a wheelchair. So I was more comfortable with wheelchairs. And I say that because 
I dated many, many men before I found the one. So kiss lots of frogs before I found my prince. And my prince has two boys. He has three boys from his previous marriage. Two of them are in wheelchairs. If I hadn't had that experience with my brother, I'm, I can now say it without feeling guilty, Kevin. I was shallow enough not to give him a second look. So because I had that experience, that wheelchair did not bother me. Those two boys did not bother me. Whereas before it probably would have. So they're a blessing. That's the, that's a lesson I learned from my brother. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I, uh, I, um, (laughs) I can relate different type of story, but relate to the, 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 I'm going to stop you real quick because I remember the third big thing was oh, the yeah, birth yes. of my nephew. My oh, nephew. oh yeah. That and, year. I, yes. and I knew that God would not take one male away without giving us another one. We yeah. just knew it was a boy. Yeah. She never yeah. did an ultrasound. She, we just knew it was a boy. So anyway, John Paul. Yeah. And, and so that helped in the midst of not knowing the state of your brother mm-hmm. and if he was going to come out of the coma or, or what, what well, was going to happen. Exactly. Then, then you had the, hope belief of, of this uh of, of the conti- continual cycle of cycle of life yeah yeah yep. so those those were the big things that changed and impacted me my yeah. life yeah what's your, what's your brother's name my brother's name is vincent vincent paul vincent paul mm-hmm. okay and um j- just real quick i my grandmother on my mom's side she was a diabetic and due to complications of diabetes, uh, she had her leg amputated. So I grew up as, as a grade school person, not helping, being in the hospital, going to the hospitals all the time and helping with the bandages, helping with, with her, with that. Um, my father, who was a former, you know, all, all state football player up in Wisconsin and then later went on, was one of the top recruited football players in the country, went and played for Iowa State has been wheelchair bound for the last seven years. Ah, Very much. It's just, it's, it's when he needs assistance. Um, it, it's this thing that you just, I just do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it's very familiar when I was growing up tr- helping and trying to help out when I was a grade school kid. So, um, so that empathy that you were referring to um, or exposure and, and then later empathy, um, definitely, uh, it's interesting how it plays itself out. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. So I know one of the things that we had, had talked about, you had me on one of the shows that Mm -hmm. you, that you do, um, a few weeks ago, and it was talking about, um, the, the difficulty of just that naturally unfolds during the holidays. Right. And, 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 and then, of course, everything's compounded this year and complicated yeah. even more because of the restrictions with COVID and, um, and, and, and just some of the concerns and fears and, and, and all those things, let alone there's obviously other things that have happened in 2020, you know, mm-hmm. with the election and, you know, a handful of other things. But and in the it definitely my wife and I were talking about this the other just just over the weekend that how many more Christmas lights are up this year compared, compared to, you know, at least us being aware of it in, in the years past. Yeah. And, um, and I think that probably ha- is maybe reflective of, of, you know, people having more, literally more time on their hands and investing good weather in, too and good it, weather. Yes. Yep. And definitely investing, utilizing that good weather to decorate, you know, yeah. uh, the outside as well as inside of homes. Um, but that doesn't mean, that this isn't a tough time, um, you know, tough time for people because of the uncertainty financially uh, of, of health issues of, mm-hmm. of actually, you know, loss of life as a result of uh, COVID. Yep. And, um, and, and I know that we, we had talked about that and you had asked some, uh, that was a big thing that this station that you're doing the, some contract work really wanted to get that message out about mm-hmm you know, about one, acknowledging it, because mm-hmm. I think sometimes we need to just share um, about where we're at so that one, you know, we can, we can own it. Right. And, and that right, piece, right. but it also then someone may be listening and giving them permission a- as well. Right? right. And, um, and I know that you have had your own, uh, this time of year is you have your own difficulties with this time of year because it brings up uh, uh, you know the losses that you've had in your own life 
Um, so how how have you um, how have you noticed over the last couple years? Because uh, because you would share that your mom died right around this time three years ago, December thirtieth, twenty seventeen. Yeah. yeah, and my little brother. Oh gosh, Kevin, my little brother, February fifth, twenty eighteen, and then my father in law, August second of 2018. So three, bing, bang, boom. And I just happened to find a picture. I don't know if I can show this to you. Can you see that? Oh, yes. That was shortly after my brother's accident. Oh, okay. And then you see my nephew, John Paul here. Oh, okay. So this is probably a year afterwards, but this is what my brother looked like before the accident. Yeah. He looks like, was he an athlete? Yes. And he was a wrestler. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he looks like he looks like he, he, he looks like he was an athlete. It looks like he was a wrestler. So yeah. Yeah. And he's yeah. a golf. He was a golfer and stuff too. So, okay. So you asked me how I will tell you that after all of that happened, I felt like I was in a fog for about a year and a half. And it wasn't until probably uh, maybe even a year from now that I finally feel like I'm coming out of the fog and then I can start living again because Every little thing would make me think of my mom or my brother, my father-in-law. It was, it was just very, very difficult. But my sister this year, going to make me cry again. One of the traditions that we would always do with my mom um, would be making caramels. And so Thanksgiving, we make caramels. And then the Christmas time, we do Christmas cookies. So we do the rollout and the cutouts and whatnot, too. Well, my baby sister, Joanne, has taken over the caramel making, which is fine because it's a process. Sure. But my the rest of us are all looking for this a sugar cookie that tastes like mom's. And you can never find anything that tastes like mom's, you know. Well, this year, my little sister... God love her. I don't know where she found it, but she found my mom's recipe written in my mom's handwriting and made all of us girls and my nieces um, a recipe on a uh, uh, cutting board, different sizes. Isn't that cool? In my mom's handwriting. Yeah. So we've got the recipe now. We'll always have the recipe and it's on a cutting board. It's always going to be there. So it's just a, a part of her that's still with us too. So when you ask me how I get along and how I, I deal with it, it's day to day. Little things will set me off like this is setting me off right now. Yeah, yeah. Talking about them. Um, it's like waves. I think I, I think I shared this with you once before, but you get knocked over, over and over and over with the first wave of grief. You know, that first year is hard with the firsts and going through the firsts without them. I actually think, Kevin, the second year is the worst. Yeah, that's what a lot of people it's it's the worst because people forget people forget you don't forget because it's still there but then how do you go on how do you go on so this year we've decided my sister Joanne or Jennifer is hosting she's taking up mom's hosting duties we've all gotten a little something we're doing a sister's weekend um we used to always get together on my brother's birthday which is December 28th and celebrate my Christmas with my dad. Now, my dad had a stroke in 2006, and he is in an assisted living facility across the street from uh, where my brother was. So we would always go see my brother and my dad at the long, long time. Sure. And, oh, my, my husband and my dog are back. Um, <laughs> so now, come here, Katie. Sorry. This is, oops, this is Katie. Stop. This is Katie Joe. I don't know if you can see her. I'm a, she's right here. Can you say hi, Katie? No. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> my little German shepherd girl. But anyway, so we haven't been able to celebrate with my dad and COVID is hard. We, we each put everything in a box, my presents for my dad in a box. And my sister Jennifer is going to go and drop it off at the assisted living. Unfortunately, we're not going to be there to be able to open it up for him. So that's another heartache for me. However, I know that Zoom um, also Facebook messaging and, and Insta or what, I forget the other one. I, I don't have an iPhone. So whatever you do with the iPhone, FaceTime, yeah, FaceTime you yeah. can still talk to each other there, but it's not the same. It's not a touchy and I'm a huggy person. I want the touch. I want to be able to, yeah. to touch him and to, to see how he's doing and make him get up and walk and show me yeah. how he's walking. You know, I want to be able to do that. So it's difficult, yeah. but I'm, I'm trying to keep their memory alive by, um, doing the little things, doing the sugar cookies, getting together, doing our, our um, sister's weekend, 
what would my brother, we did pictures and there's a, you know, they always say when you have a little orb or something in the picture, that's a spirit in there. Well, my brother, I think was acting out and he used to tease my baby sister tremendously. There's a little something going on in one of those pictures and we were all laughing about it. Vincent's around. So we know that they're around. It is our belief that we are all spirits having a human experience. And this is just a body that we are inhabiting for this short amount of time to have whatever experience it is that we are supposed to have. So I know that will, my faith has already said that I know that I will see my mom and my brother again and my father-in-law. So it's just, that keeps me going. I don't know how people without faith do it. I really don't, Kevin. I really don't know how people do it. Well, well, I think it is. So, so here, maybe someone out there may, may challenge this. I don't know, but and they might. I, I, I think everyone has faith. It's just, what do you have faith in? Uh, okay. That's a better way of saying it. You know, um, in, in meaning I, a person may, because of a lack of experience or because of certain experiences may say, I don't believe in anything, mm-hmm. you know, which is, I, I don't understand that. You know what I mean? Because right, right. one, when you listen to them talk, they tend to believe in something, you know, and they, and they feel pretty strongly about that something, even though it may not be attached to a particular uh, religious system or, or spiritual basis system uh, that's been, that's been established. But I, I think for me, it's an evolving process, right? It's, it's right. you, you have things that happen in our life that will shake us out of our paradigm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And, yes. and, and, and at least in my history, I've always made God smaller than he ever was. Mm-hmm. Right. I had to make my concept of God fit, fit into what what i could understand right and and then things would happen and then it would expand you know and i and i wouldn't not necessarily go easily um with that with with that evolution of it but um you know it says in genesis that we were creating god's own image kevin's history has been i tried to i created god in my own image and and i and and so uh, i've gone through the time period when he was the you know the the the, the santa claus god or the yes, you know yes. the, the vending machine god where you know i put something in this is what i expected to get you know come yeah. out of it or, or whatever it may have been but yeah. but when we have things happen uh regardless if it's professionally related or personally related or, or loss, right. Mm -hmm. Or all the things that collectively we've experienced this year. um, Mm -hmm. It's going to challenge that paradigm. Yeah. Yes. I can tell you, Kevin, my paradigm has stretched, has changed. It's sometimes it's oblong. (laughs) Sometimes it's like an octagon instead of a, yeah, it's crazy. Well, and you had said something to me, I can't remember if it was today or before, is that even like when losses happen, right? A loss of life, right? So we can have, we, we, we can, we have this thing for most of us as humans, even though that we're still sad about the person not being here, but if a person dies in their 80s or a person dies in their 90s, we have this space that we rationalize that, oh, okay, yeah. okay. So, so they lived a good life or, you know, even if they didn't live a good life, it was that they lived life. They lived a long life. Right. And, and then we were ready for it. Yeah. And then when someone dies earlier in life or, or there's a traumatic death that, that again, it, it, it messes with that paradigm. It messes with the story that I have to try to tell myself. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And I can tell you that that paradigm shifted again when, that year of 2017, that fall of 2017, my brother. Okay. So I have to tell you, my mom died of a glioblastoma. It was the same thing that, that uh, Senator McCain had. So yep. it's a, a tumor in the brain. Yep. Um, we found out in July and I don't know how much time we have. I'll try to make this short. Yep. Yep. We um, found out in July about mom's glioblastoma. She had surgery in August and then was on a chemotherapy radiation and uh, clinical trial drug. So in September, she was going through that and it was knocking her for a loop. Well, in September, my little brother was also in the hospital. He had pneumonia Mm -hmm. and that's hard when you're, you know, a paraplegic and your lungs just don't work. So my sister, Jennifer and myself were with my brother. My other two sisters, Marion and Joanne were with my mom. And I remember being with my brother alone and, you know, him holding my hand and I'm saying, Vincent, 
you, we can do this. Let's fight through this. You know, you, you cannot die. Do not die because it would kill mom. You cannot do it. We've got to get through this. And, and, you know, I know it was just probably his will to live for my mother that got him through all this because seriously, he was in a weakened condition. Um, my mom did see him in October and that was the last time she saw him. The last time they actually saw each other and they could speak on the phone, but that's the last time they saw each other. And then when mom passed December 30th, um, it was hard for us to tell Vincent. Um, my sisters went and told him, actually, I think we all kind of did. And we told my dad as well, who was very upset. And then mom's funeral was January 4th and we buried her on the 5th. My little brother passed away on February 5th, a month to the day, almost the time that we buried my mom. My little sister was on the way there. She was in the parking lot when he passed. Um, we did not know any of this. When I was called, I was contacted on the phone and I just felt like somebody sucker punched me. I lost my breath. I couldn't catch my breath. I was irrational. I'm like, Brian, I gotta go. I gotta go to Hannibal. I gotta, gotta go now, you know, whatever. And it was that horrible, horrible snowstorm that we had up here in Rockford. It was just like 10 to 12 inches of snow that we had. It was just horrible. And I was just irrational. There was nothing I could do because it was out of the ordinary for me. And my, my paradigm shifted big time, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, do, so do. I, I don't, I know my empathy for people right now. I have a girlfriend and a, and a, I have a sorority sister and her brother whose mom passed December 21st. I have Kathy's picture on my wall here, the mom who I was close to also. I feel for them. I am sending them a note because I know what they're going through on this one year anniversary. It's so hard. Yeah. yeah. That's it's made me more empathetic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, and that's why I, I so appreciate you being so open and transparent with sharing your story. And I, and I know that it's, it's for us that are communicators, for us that are talkers, <laughs> right. Yeah. We, we need to talk. Right. And, mm -hmm. and because that's a way of our own healing and, and it's also being able to give other people permission as they're on their own journey, either permission to try something like a different, you know, like an idea, or just to hear what you've been doing with your family, with yourself, with you and Brian, what, what things have you guys done for your own healing? Um, mm. your, your sister's gesture, right? And, and yeah. those, those are talking about it, sharing, sharing moments, uh, sharing rituals uh, together, traditions, the, creating new ones. These are all mm -hmm. things that it, it doesn't make the pain go away. It makes a way to live with the pain. With it, yeah. Right. You had mentioned in our conversation how I told you that my husband, after his dad passed, he went on a long motorcycle ride by himself. And you said that was his way of coming to terms and grieving. And I thought, you know what? A light went on. That's not how I would have done it, but I never put it. I never, never put it two to two together. And that's what he was doing. He right. needed that time alone to think and to grieve. And I just didn't realize that because that's not how I grieve. Right. Yeah. 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 And we, and, and it's said all the time, but it's true. We all grieve differently. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and of course we would, because we all live our own path. Right. Yes. And, and if yes. we, and if we mimic too much of what another person does, then, then we're not being true to our own call and our own, and our own path. Um, but being able, because we have a choice, right? We have a choice in the pain to, to learn and grow from it and, 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 and love and have empathy with it, or we, we grow hard and can become bitter. Mm -hmm. And so, so to be able to have, <clears throat> so to be able to have that choice, um, not that it's, e it's not easy um, and there's nothing easy about it. And actually it's kind of like I did a talk recently about self-care and about taking care of yourself. There's nothing easy about taking care of yourself. You know, there's nothing e I mean, there, I didn't want to go and work out this morning, um, you know, but I know that if I don't work out and don't do certain things, then I'm not at my, uh, at my best to help other people. Right. 
you know, and so, but is, but easy? No, no, it's not easy. I would, <laughs> I would rather stay in bed. I'd rather just, uh, you know, hit the snooze again. Yep, you I know, got you. I got you totally maybe. there. <laughs> so, so, Liz, thank you so much for being here. As as always, I, I love our conversations and, and we can go on and spin off and talk about many different things. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. some someday, uh, I, one of my, one of my backstories is like many bodybuilders, I was, I was thrust into the entertainment industry but via security um and, ah. and, and working security and but with that um i had friends then later who were in the music industry and you know playing and and other aspects of the music industry but then i've had a couple friends of mine that have gone on and either been uh, uh uh, radio personalities or different aspects of that so it is uh once it's in your blood it's hard it's to Yep. <laughs> yep. It's hard. It's hard not to find. It's kind of like I joke, you know, when I got done bodybuilding, I had to find another way to find a stage. Um, yeah, exactly. Right. Yep. But this time I get to be fully clothed. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of in your little yeah, yeah, it, speedo outfit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so Liz, as we wrap up, uh, if there was one thing that you would want the listeners to, to hear, what would be that one thing? Ah, uh, to hear. I just want you to hear happiness in my voice. I want you to hear the emotion in my voice. Sometimes the words don't matter, but it's it's what you hear inside it. And I I have learned that it is a day by day. Be grateful. Wake up and be grateful that you are aware, that you are awake, that you are taking that first breath. And then just open yourself up to be available. I mean, I, it sounds strange, but to be available for whatever experience comes along be it good or bad because there's a lesson in there somewhere yeah. and who knows who knows yeah. it might not be for you it might be for your husband for your wife for your best friend it might be for somebody else that you're going through this that they can learn that's all I can say. And that and have a Merry Christmas, yeah, yeah. even though it might not be merry in the way that you had a Merry Christmas before. It'll be totally different. Well, but embrace I, that difference, too. Yeah. And as we're moving into the into a new year. Oh, and this, I'm excited about this new yeah, year. Yeah. And I don't think anything magically is going to happen on January 2nd. No. Um, you know, meaning everything's going to be completely different. Um, probably similar to the Y2K thing. Well, yeah, nothing, right, right? You know, in that case, nothing did happen. In this case, probably, you know, it, it's going to be what we do in 21 to make the life that we can make with the choices we have. Yeah. Things that we learned, hopefully learned about ourselves and our communities in 20. Yeah. And I think the only thing I want people to remember is that we, like I mentioned before, we are all spirits. We're all spirits having a human experience. Mm -hmm. We're all here. Yeah. So that's it. I'm doing everything I can not to go out on a bunny trail on that one. So we're going to no, go ahead. And that. <laughs> so, so sometime in the future, I'll have to have you come back on and we can talk about some of the things that are right around that. Cause I'd love to have uh, that conversation. So thanks thank Kevin. Well, and say hi to Brian uh, for me and I will. Uh, a great Christmas and a great new year. And, uh, and I hope 21 is everything you make it to be. It's going to be a fabulous year. Great. Thanks Kevin. Thank you. Bye-bye.